0: So, here we are. Wayne, will you bless the offering? Amen. All right. If you have a Bible, you might want to turn to Joshua chapter 3. Now, Jeff... Changed the theme on me. He warned me. He warned me that he was going to do that. But we were going to preach about get ready. So, you know, we may not be on the road yet, but we're getting ready. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. I mean, probably everybody's child has has asked that question. I have asked that question a few times. You know, I've asked my wife, are we there yet? No, she says, you took a wrong turn about three miles back. So I had to backtrack and fix it and get on the right track. So it's, it's good to have a spouse that watches out for you. That's all I know. Amen. And I won't say that if she's here because she'd be mad. Listen, this morning I want to talk to you about preparing to be amazed by God. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of anxious to see God do some great things. I'm I'm expecting Him to do great things. You know, Jeff asked us this morning if we were excited. My answer at that moment was, no, I'm not excited. It's Sunday morning. I'm going to preach twice today, and no, I'm not excited. But I am excited about Jesus. I am excited about the Word because there's life in the Word of God. Here's my question. Listen to this. Do amazing things just happen, or is there something we might do to prepare for God's amazing works? Do amazing or miraculous things just happen, or is there something we might do to prepare to see God's mighty works? We just need to get ready. Joshua chapter 3 is all about getting ready for a miracle. It's all about getting ready to see God's wonders performed. And and these people have seen God's wonders before, but they're about to see them again. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Let me read. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. You know, this is all about crossing over. They lodged there before they crossed over. Something has to precede the crossing over. So it was, after three days, that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest, the Levites, bearing it or carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits, about a 1,000 yards by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you might must go. For you have not passed this way before. Verse 5, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said, Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. What a promise that is. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. See, God tells Joshua what he's going to do, and he tells him how to prepare for it, how to get ready, to get ready to move forward in this. What we want to discover in the message today is how God allows us to participate in his mighty wonders. You might say, well, I can't do any wonders. Well, God can, and the fact is he can use you to do great things. Every one of us, any one of us. There's a key word in verse 5 that just jumps out at me. The key word is consecrate. Everybody say that, consecrate. Consecrate yourselves. You know, if we want to participate in what God is going to do, we have to be willing to be set apart for His purpose. We have to be willing to be set apart. I haven't always been willing to be set apart. Have you? I mean, there are times when I resist it. I don't, I don't want to deal with this. Anybody else feel that way sometimes? You know, but we have to be willing to serve the Lord, to prepare to be set apart. You know, you ask the question, if we're going somewhere and we're going to see God's mighty works, where do we begin? What do we do? What can we do to prepare ourselves? Well, I like the theme of, uh, of Nike, just do it. <laughs> just do it. You know, what it means to me is obey the Lord. Just obey the Lord. It, it's really simple. When you want to know what to do to prepare to see God's amazing works, you just fulfill His purpose by doing what He says. I mean, there are acts of obedience that took place in the lives of the people of Israel. Like if you remember back when they were delivered from the land of Egypt, God commanded them to take the blood of a, of a lamb and put it on the doorposts of their houses. So when the angel of death passed through, it would pass over them. It would pass over them. That's why they celebrate the Passover. To remember that the wrath of God passed over them because of their obedience in sprinkling the blood on the doorposts of their homes. Anyone in that home was protected, was made safe. You probably remember when the Lord caused Moses, or Joshua, or Moses rather, to send out spies to the land of Canaan, the land we call the promised land. You know, a lot of people think Canaan represents heaven. I got news for you. It represents the nitty-gritty battle right here, right now. Canaan was not won easily. There was a battle almost every day. It's a fight. Fight for survival, right? Right? Well, you're being awful quiet. Amen, John, that's the truth. It's a fight for survival, you know, and only the strong survive, right? Well, we are strong in the Lord, in His mighty power, not in ourselves, but in Him. You know, when you think about those spies that went out, they went out to to spy out Canaan land, to find out what it was really like. Was it really prosperous, was it really good, or was there bad things to look forward to? And you know, 12 spies were sent out. One representative for every tribe of Israel was sent to spy out the land. Ten of them came back with a different report than two of them. Joshua and Caleb were the two outstanding spies who came back with a good report because they had a different spirit in them. They had the spirit of faith. No fear was in their heart. They knew God has given us this and we're going to go in and overcome the enemy. But the other people were afraid because there were giants in the land. I mean, there was giant clusters of grapes The cluster of grape that they brought back to prove that this land was a land that flowed with milk and honey was so big that two men had to put it on a pole and carry it back to prove what was there. It is, they said, a land that flows with milk and honey, but we can't do it because there are giants over there. The sons of Amalek are over there. They will destroy us. They will defeat us. We can't win. Caleb stands up and he says, no, that's not right. We can win. We must go in. We must do it now. But they didn't. And that's why they wandered around for 40 years. And smelling dead carcasses every few years. Because the people that refused to go in that refused to pass over, that refused to say, we're going for it, those people wasted in the wilderness. But Joshua and Caleb, because they had a different spirit, they were moving forward in the things of God. Listen, the blood of Jesus makes all the difference in our lives this morning. You know, these representatives of, of obedience are speaking of the blood, the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. It will never lose its power. Now, I don't believe that the blood itself has the power. It's a symbol of God's redemptive love for us and has freed us from our past so that we can move forward with Him. I love that. I love that idea of moving forward with Him. See, God has a plan, and He wants to set us apart. Are you willing to be set apart? Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 says these words, He's challenging us to holiness. In a way, the third chapter of Joshua is all about God calling us to enter into holiness. It's about God calling us to be a holy people, to stand out for Him, to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. That's all God's asking us to do is come close to Him with a full heart of faith, to trust in Him, to move in Him, to live in Him. You know, it's so easy for us to try to preserve ourselves, save ourselves. You know, I, I I was talking to my wife yesterday about the herrings over in Nicaragua and we were thinking about how how brave they really are to take their family to this third world country and minister from their heart to people's needs. And I said, I wouldn't do it. And Jane said, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't want to do that. You know, it's not, for, you know, God hasn't called me to do it. That's, that's true, but I, I wouldn't want to do it. If He called me, I'd probably resist. No, 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 not me. I'm too old to do that kind of stuff. You know, you understand what I'm saying? I would rather preserve my lifestyle, make it a little bit easier for me in my old age. You know, after all, I'm in my golden years, right? Well, you don't know how old I am, so you don't really know that, do you? We have to abandon self-preservation. We have to abandon self-preservation because it's not going to work for us. He that seeks to save his life, Jesus said, will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. You'll find everything you ever wanted if you're willing to lose your life for my sake. Listen to this, Hebrews 13.10 We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. And that's talking about the priests that offered animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. They have no right to eat of this altar because this altar is different. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, are burned outside the camp. There was a day of atonement where these offerings were representing the the deliverance from sin. But, you know, it was just a a one-day thing. And the next day they were right back where they started. Therefore, Jesus also, that He might sanctify the people. You know what sanctify means, right? Set them apart for His purpose. It's talking about holiness that he might make his people holy with his own blood suffered outside the gate therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp bearing his reproach are you willing to bear the reproach of jesus i'm not asking you to answer that moses esteemed the reproach of christ greater riches than the riches of Egypt. Do you remember when Moses made a decision that he was going to suffer with God's people rather than continue to be living his lifestyle of complete blessing in Egypt? He turned his back on all of that because his motive was to move forward in God, to go for it, to get ready for God's great wonders. That's how he made that decision. We need to make that decision. Are we willing to make that decision? How could Moses do it? The Bible says he saw the reward. He saw the future in it. He saw better to suffer with Christ than to live an opulent life with the world. Better for me to take a step that removes me from this attitude of take care of yourself. Instead, I'm going to do the will of God. See, God's calling us to accountability. Accountability is something that we don't see much of today. People don't like to be accountable. What does it mean? Responsibility. We are responsible for how we handle this that God has given us. We must be accountable to Him. You're not accountable to me or Pastor Dale. You're accountable to God. God calls us to this. You know, have you ever seen God do something that just totally amazed you? Where you, you couldn't really believe it was actually happening? that ever happened to anybody in here? Why does it surprise us when God shows up? Why, why are we so amazed when God shows up in a situation? We shouldn't be amazed. God is always there, always ready to do His work. You know, when Peter and John uh, came to the temple that day and there was a, a man begging at the, at the entrance to the temple... And uh, they looked at, he looked at Peter and John expecting an offering. He was a beggar. He wanted some alms, some money. He was sitting there waiting for somebody to help him out. And Peter, John looked at him and Peter says, we don't have any silver or gold. Uh, they weren't modern preachers. They were New Testament preachers. Uh, subtle, I know, but I think some of you got what I'm saying. You know, they did not have airplanes and limousines and drivers and escorts and servants. and They did not live like that. They were completely given over to Jesus. They were. I realize the temptations are different now. You know, they didn't have Cadillacs. They didn't have airplanes. I know all of that's true. But the fact is, these people were completely given up to Jesus. Now, I'm not there yet. Are we there yet? I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. How about you? I want to be in that place where I can say yes to what the Lord is commanding me to do without hesitation. So when this lame man who was healed held Peter and John and didn't want to let him go, all the people ran together with them in the porch which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. Here's Peter's question. When Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? It was an act of God. It was a wonderful work. How were they prepared for it? They were prepared for it by giving themselves wholly to the Lord without reservation." That's how we get ready for God's great wonders, is we give ourselves wholly to the Lord, as we separate ourselves and we give ourselves to God. Is it time to turn to God, do you think? Is it time to repent? Anybody feel like you want to repent this morning? When I was studying this message, I repented several times. Repent, therefore. This is what what goes on to say in Acts 3.19, repent, therefore, and be converted, be changed, that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's such a simple act to turn away from sin and turn toward God, but it's not easy to do. So we need to prepare to be set apart. Secondly, we need to prepare to focus on the Holy Spirit. Because I'm telling you, without the Holy Spirit, we can't do this. Amen? Look at these verses with me again in Joshua chapter 3. After three days, the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. The ark was very significant, it is the most sacred possession. To the Israelites, because it represents God's presence with his people. It also represents God's promises, God's covenant, because inside this ark that was made of acacia wood covered with gold were the tables of stone, and there was a pot of manna, and there was Aaron's rod that budded. Those were all representatives of God's covenant with his people. How God delivered them and saved them and fed them and kept them and that His ongoing purpose was in their lives. This was sacred to them. The ark, when you see it, when you see the ark, focusing on the ark. Now they focused on a physical thing. We focus on the Holy Spirit. They focused on a piece of furniture, but we focus on the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. I like this part where it says, after three days... There were actually successions of three days. There were three days when they sent the spies. The spies were hidden for three days. And now they wait for three days on this side of the river Jordan before they cross. The significance is God's timing is involved. God's perfect timing is involved. And the Holy Spirit knows what time it is. The symbolism of the ark is God's presence. And the source of Joshua's strength is very interesting. Maybe you don't remember this, but back in the book of Exodus, Moses left the camp, went outside the camp, and pitched a tent out there. And he would go out there every day, and a cloud would be there, and Moses would talk to God face to face in that tent. He called it the tent of meeting. And interestingly enough, Joshua was with him. Joshua was with him all this time. Listen to these verses. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. It came to pass, everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that a pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and the people rose and worshipped each man at his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speak to his friend, and he would return to camp. Listen to this. But his servant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Oh, this young man went up there with Moses. He didn't go in. He couldn't go in. Only Moses went in there. And the cloud engulfed them, And Joshua was just patiently waiting because he was his servant. He was there his helper. He didn't have a big name then. He wasn't a great captain of armies then. He was Moses' servant. But he knew something significant takes place in that room. Something happens to Moses when he goes in that tent. And I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving this place. Moses would come out and go to the people. Joshua remained by the tabernacle. Because there was something motivational about that. Something real about that in his spirit. He knew that's where Moses meets God. I want to meet God. I want to know God. I want God to know me. I want to talk to God. I want God to talk to me back. Are you there? Huh? Come on. That's where I want to be. That's what I want to do. Joshua says, I just want to be in the presence of the Lord. And I think that has a great deal to do with Joshua's leadership in winning the land of Canaan. It's He wanted to be in the presence of God. And he was, and God promised him these words. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, Joshua. God's talking directly to Joshua here. And he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. You know, it takes strength and courage to set yourself apart for God's purpose. So today, we have to focus on the Holy Spirit. You can't see him. You can't see him. Can't touch him. Yeah? Is he here? Is he here? Yeah, you know He's here, but you can't touch Him, you can't see Him, you know. I mean, if we were outside and the wind was blowing and you see the trees moving, that's kind of the way the Holy Spirit is. He just kind of, whew, but you can't see Him, but He's real, and we need to focus on His work, on His power. Are you with me? you got to focus on His power. When you see the ark, when you see the ark, remember, presence of God. When you see the presence of God, go after it. Don't let anything stop you. Go after it. So we have to do three things. Get in touch with the Holy Spirit. Second thing, we need to move with the Holy Spirit. And the third thing is we must always reverence the Holy Spirit. If we do those things and keep our focus on Him, the Holy Spirit will show us where to go. That's what the ark was doing. The ark was before the people, 1,000 yards out there, so that... The majority of Israel could see the ark. They could see it because it was carried on the shoulders of the Levites and they were walking carrying the ark down toward the river Jordan where they're just about to see a miracle but at that point the focus isn't on the miracle the focus isn't on the river the focus isn't on anything except the Holy Spirit the ark of the covenant it's going before you they used to depend on a cloud in the day and a fire at night the cloud is gone the fire is gone but the Holy Spirit is going to lead you on yeah we don't have the cloud we don't have the fire but we have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth the Holy Spirit guides us aren't you glad for that hallelujah I'm getting excited Jeff what is going on here how much time do I have left I got one minute Oh, I got 15 minutes. Oh, well, fine then. If we run into the next service, it won't matter, right? Listen, Galatians chapter 5. You have a Bible, turn there because it's not up there, I don't think. Well, oh, maybe it is up there. God bless their soul. It is up there. Galatians chapter 5. These are really important verses about the Holy Spirit and how He works in us. Galatians 5 verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's where the rubber meets the road, you know. (laughs) If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of your flesh. Because your flesh wants to do bad stuff. Your flesh does not want to yield. Your flesh does not want to obey. Your flesh does not want to forsake self-preservation. Your flesh wants its way. Oh, yeah. But if you walk in the Spirit, that means if you live your daily life dependent on the Holy Spirit, you will not have the same desires to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Something will change in your life if you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. He says the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. That means there's this conflict always going on. Spirit and flesh fighting each other. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. We all go through these times of struggle with our flesh and the Holy Spirit. And I hope the Holy Spirit's stronger. In verse 18, he says, If we are led by the Holy Spirit, you are not under the law. And he talks about the works of the flesh, He talks about the gift of the Spirit. But I want to look at verse 25. If we live in the Spirit Let us also walk in the Spirit. When you see the ark, follow the ark, follow the Holy Spirit, walk in the Spirit. It it just means to live your daily life totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. It's not really all that complicated. And why do we make it so hard? Why do we make it so difficult on ourselves? You see, we have been given a new way. We're, We're not dependent on the old ways. The new way is in Jesus He he made it possible when he died on the cross and shed his blood. It is through his shed blood that we've been given a new way, a different way to walk, a different way to live. Yes, we're still human. Yes, we're still fleshly and carnal, and we miss the mark, and sometimes we're just plain stupid. But God loves us anyway. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He loves us anyway. He's not going to withdraw from us. If there's any withdrawing, it's always on our part. You know, we need to just keep walking, keep looking, keep following. He will guide us. He will lead us. And so we come to this final thought this morning. Consecrate yourselves. Prepare yourselves to participate in what God is about to do. Get ready. You get ready by consecrating yourself. Now listen. There's a difference between consecration and sanctification. Sanctification is what God does. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The word of God sanctifies us. Yeah. Acts 26, 18, believers are sanctified by faith in Christ, set apart, made holy. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were made justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us, makes us holy. I don't feel holy, neither do I. Especially when that evil demon road rage hits me. I don't feel holy at all. I don't. I'm even tempted to do something bad. I know none of you ever do that. I know the calmest drivers in the world right here in this room, right now. The devil made me do it, yeah. You, know, you almost want to flip him a bird. You know what that means? Have you ever done that? Since you've been saved, has anybody ever done that? You don't have to confess. (laughs) I have not done that lately. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Uh, You just want to react in your flesh, don't you, sometimes? It's just the way it is. But you've got to put it down. We are holy people, sanctified by God. The consecrating part is up to us. We are holy, but we do have to mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually set ourselves apart for God's purpose. That's something you got to do. I got to do it. It's my responsibility. I'm accountable to God to do that. You know, there's this battle going on a battle for control flesh or spirit, fear or faith, right? Defeat or victory. These are the conflicts that we all face. Every one of us faced these kinds of conflicts. You know, when uh, when the children of Israel uh, faced this same conflict and they were unable to to go into the land and possess the land because they were full of fear, because the giants were in the land, because there was... There was just no hope for them ever winning this land over. They just didn't have what it took to go into the land and possess the land. I believe with the Holy Spirit we have what it takes to possess the land. I think we just have to take the first step. That's what this message is about. Going forward. Take the first step. Going forward. It's a cliche nowadays, going forward. You know, sales managers will get up and say, Now, look, we got to go forward into the future. We got to set new goals here. We're going forward. But it means way more than just a cliche of going forward. It means that I have every intention to take it one step at a time because I don't really know what's out there. You know, people are always asking questions like, What are you going to do five years from now? How, how do I know? What are you going to do 10 years from now? I may be dead 10 years from now. What you, what am, what am, I don't look that far out. I don't know about you, but I don't look that far out. And, and probably that's a problem. I haven't planned well enough maybe. But I believe that walking with God is a one step at a time kind of thing. It's a a one-day-at-a-time exercise. It's moving forward. It's not standing. It's not going backward. It's taking a step at a time. And so these men, by Joshua, were challenged to take the ark down to the very brink of the river Jordan that is swollen and flooding by. And they put their feet in that water, just their toes perhaps. But there they stood in the Jordan, waiting They couldn't make the water move. They weren't going to have to make the water. All they had to do is take the step, put their feet in the water, trust God for the rest of it. Are you with me? You know, I don't have the answers about everything, but I know what I need to do to be prepared. I need to separate myself consecrate myself, wash myself, cleanse myself, do everything in my power to make sure that this word of God is my shower and my bathtub every day of my life so that I can wash my life with these true words of God. That's cleansing. That's setting me apart. It was a ceremony to them, but it's not a ceremony to me or you. It's not just washing our clothes, changing our garments. This is washing our heart by committing ourselves to living this Word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And we come to this really interesting part of this story. In the seventh verse, God tells Joshua that I'm going to exalt you today. I mean, that, that does that fit in this, that God... You know, I'm, I'm giving up all that I am, and now God comes along and says, I'm going to exalt you today. Well, what he's saying to Joshua is, I'm going to prove to you today that I have put my hand upon you, and you are the leader that has taken Moses' place. Moses is dead. The past is gone, and we're going over the River Jordan. You're going to see it happen with your own eyes I want to prove to you and to all Israel that as I was with Moses, I am with you. So how does this happen that God exalts a man or makes him great? You know, Donald can't do this. I got news for you. Make him great again? No. That's Donald Trump's theme, right? Make America great again, right? Right. I'll tell you what, he can't, he can't do that. It's up to you and me to make America great. It's not the guy sitting in the White House. I'm not getting any amens. There's a bunch of Republicans in here. I know it. It's just, I can, I can feel it in my spirit. How does God make a man great? How does God do that? Does He set him up in a palace? Does He make him rich? Does it make him famous even? God makes people great that humble themselves before the Lord. That's how Joshua was made great by this miracle that God has given, and Jeff's going to preach about that later. But how does God do this? James 4 6 through 10. Here's good scripture advice He gives more grace. Oh, I need more grace. Come by say more grace. Turn to your neighbor and say, You need more grace. Yeah. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, because God resists the proud and gives more grace to the humble, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you, cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded, lament and mourn and weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will make you great, He will lift you up. Amen. This is, this is how God makes men great. When they humble themselves, He lifts them up. It's not for their glory or their praise. It's for His glory and His praise. That's why God makes men great. God will make all of us great if we just get ready by being obedient, by being faithful, setting ourselves apart, taking that one first step. You take that step and God will never turn away. He will always help you take the next one. Amen. God is good, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus, thank you so much for your power in our lives. I, I can't explain it really, Lord. I don't have words to say how much it means to know that the Holy Spirit is that power within that enables us to do good. We can't do it in ourselves. Only through you can we accomplish your purposes. And I'm asking right now, Lord, that you would just help me and all of us in here to set ourselves apart and say, I'm going to live for the glory of God. I'm going to live for God's purposes. I know that that's what he wants from me. And I'm willing to give in to his call in my life. I'm helping us, Lord. Help us to do this now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know what you're expecting in your life. If you're expecting a miracle or a wonder, it's not about the miracles and the wonder. It's just about being willing to get ready to go there. Would you stand with me? If you're like me, you want to say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. You want to, you want to help? Just raise your hand right now. Let's just lift our hand to the Lord. Lord. Help us, Lord. Jesus, we need you so much. Oh, Lord, we know that you will never deny us when we cry out to you. Help, Lord. Help, Lord. That's the prayer that you always hear. We're asking you to help us right now. We're going forward. Are we there yet? No, but we're going. We're on our way, Lord. We're trusting you for the outcome of it all. Putting our faith in you right now. Whatever you need this morning, whatever is bothering you, troubling you, just give it to Jesus right now. Would you just join me and do that? Lord, I just give it to you. You know my heart. You know my weaknesses. You know my flesh. And the enemy tries to use it against me every day. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and restore and renew, revitalize our commitment right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name amen
1: before before we um we move from this place, I just um if that was you this morning i just I want us to do something, and I believe it's important. I want us to take a step forward Hallelujah. And come to this place up here because I believe there's something important mm-hmm. about drawing near to God. Because in his word it says, when you draw near to him, he draws near to you. And and um, it's, it's good in our hearts that we want what God has. But let's take it, let's make it an action this morning. So if that's you, if you need God to do a work in your life, if you're saying, God, I want to consecrate myself to you, would you just step out of the place you're sitting and take a step forward. Let's move towards God this morning in just an act of obedience and say, God, We want what you have. God, we want to consecrate our hopes, our dreams, our gifts, our abilities, our our platforms, God, for your glory. God, we want to participate in the plans that you have for us, Jesus. We're so thankful this morning, God, that you love us, that, that holiness is up to you, but consecration is up to us. So, God, we bow our hearts before you this morning and say, Jesus, just search us and know us. Anything that's not of you, God, we don't want it. Any any selfish pride or ambition, we just lay that down. Any control issues, Jesus, we give those up. We want to be under the perfect control of your spirit this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, church. Thank you just for being obedient, church, because it's hard. I know that sometimes that's uncomfortable to step out, but I believe that God will draw near to you this morning. Amen.
0: Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming here now. Just sense you're hovering over us right here, right now. That sweet breath of the Spirit, that life that comes from you, just hovering over us here in this place. Thank you, Jesus, for it. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. Father, we ask you to bless the people. Every person that's made this effort today even those that haven't felt to come up here, Lord. I pray that your blessing will overflow in their lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face be made to shine upon you. And may he give you peace, in Jesus' name. God bless.